What's up? I'm Kristen. And I'm Keontae. And And you're you're listening listening to to the Crafted Podcast. Well, it's another week, another episode, another podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us. We know that there are a million other podcasts out there in the world, but you're here with us and we appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. We do appreciate you. So how has your week been so far? My week has been sleepless. Sleepless? No, I, is that that's not the right word, is it? It's yeah, been, no. it's been. You gain more sleep. Yes, more rest, sleep more. It's been more restful. <laughs> yes, there we go. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, it's late at night. I'm tired. I don't know. Like, cause right now I'd be putting on my mask and ready to uh, go down. down. But yeah, so I it's been like a week with my sleep apnea mask thing, mm-hmm. CPAP machine, and I feel more rested. I do. I feel like the day is clearer. And all that. And so I'm really enjoying that. So my week has overall been good. I've been really productive, you know. And so I feel like I have a new lease on life. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, my week has been interesting. But the most important thing of this week is we going back to back. Now, for those that know, that know me, you know, I'm a big WNBA um a big WNBA fan, a big WNBA supporter. He's a ladies' man. No, I'm uh, just playing. No, nah, well, I mean, I've just no. Been... He likes the he likes the girls' basketball. <clears throat> yeah, I like the league. Like I've I've really been. Like, I've always like caught WNBA games here and there, like since its inception. But I really became like zeroed in on the WNBA back in 2018. Um, I used to watch uh, girls' college basketball. Um, and there was one player named Asia Wilson. She went to South South Carolina. And, like, she was just good. She was just dominant. So I really started focusing in on, on uh, women's basketball then. And I followed her since she came out of college. She got drafted by the Las Vegas Aces. And that's what I've been a fan of since 2018. But anyway, the great thing is tonight we're recording our podcast the same night that the Las Vegas Aces have won the WNBA final. Actually, this is their second championship, and it's a back-to-back championship. So this did is the, they, did they play We Are the Champions? Nah, they probably didn't. They probably in their locker room playing back-to-back. What, what song play after they won? Don't they always play a song? I feel like they play a song. Nah, I mean, not really. Like, they probably do in the arena, but, like, on TV, they didn't really show that. It was just a buzzer and confetti or whatnot. Really, they be having their songs or whatever they want to play, like, in the locker room. Oh, okay. But anywho, okay. so, yeah, it's just, it's just dope, man. They're the first back-to-back WNBA champions. Uh, since 2001, that's when the Sparks um, went back-to-back when Lisa Leslie was on the team. So it's just really dope, man. Asia Wilson, she's the best player on earth right now, the best women's player on earth right now, two-time champion, two-time league MVP, two-time defensive player of the year. Um, she's just dope. Wow. Do you think she could play in the NBA if the NBA was co-ed? Like, do, you um, think she could, do you think she could be good in the NBA? She'd be okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with women because naturally, would she be better than the worst player in the NBA? Better than the worst player? It's 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 possible. Oh man, I, I say it's Dang. possible. Well, because the physiology of men and women, like Are especially just so different, yeah, in yeah. athletics, there it's just very different. Like if you're, it depends on like what you're talking about, like. If she was doing like a three point contest or somebody or something like that, it might be different. But if you're talking about like a physical one on one game, men are just stronger than women. So okay. like she wouldn't be able to yeah, she wouldn't be able to back anybody in. Now like now there's two women that I've seen in the history of the game that I'm like, bruh, they might even be strong enough to even just back down a man. That's Liz Cambage, 
Oh, what now? She's a she's a basketball player from Australia. Matter of fact, when she practices, well, they practice with men too. But when she's like during the off season practicing, she actually practices with men. So she's playing basketball against men. Wow. And then we Reggie have, Miller's sister. Yeah, we have the goat, Cheryl Miller. Ah oh, man, people people really didn't get in chess to see her because she Is she played, still alive? She's still alive. Yeah, she's oh. still alive. Um, I'm the worst, huh? <laughs> yeah, actually, she's man. She's like a she's a big women's game advocate. Matter of fact, um, I follow her on social media, and like, there's something going on at RCC right now with the women's basketball team, and she's like trying to advocate for them because the school essentially is like has cut their funding, but hasn't cut like the men's team funding or whatnot. So they don't have like the equipment and supplies that they need. So she's like speaking out against that because that's where her and Reggie Miller are from. They're from Riverside, but anyway, Cheryl Miller back in the '80s for USC, bruh. In my book, Cheryl Miller is the greatest women's basketball player of all time. College or she she never got a chance to make it to the WNBA because she got injured before the WNBA actually started or was created. So she never got a chance to play there. But bruh, watching her and and watching her play college basketball, she she essentially changed basketball. Like she changed the way especially women's basketballs looked at she was just so good she was literally this could probably be our random fact yeah she was literally like magic johnson like you know in in college and she was just unstoppable she played in college won a couple national championships went to the olympics while she was in college won gold like she she still has records in usc like i said she played in the 80s she still has records in usc that haven't been broken yet Matter of fact, she has a high school record that hasn't been broken in Riverside. One one game, the, the good story, I guess, yeah, this will be our random fact. A good story about her um, is that, like I said, her brother's Reggie Miller, which Reggie Miller was one of my favorite players of all time. I'm a, I'm an Indiana Pacers fan. Okay. Um, I'm a LeBron fan. Yeah, Whatever be, team he's on, is, be, that's the fan I am. Yeah, it's because of Reggie Miller that I'm a uh, Indiana Pacers fan. It's because of LeBron James I'm a basketball fan. <laughs> but anywho... <laughs> Um, the story is like one day, um, they both had games on the same day, right? And so Reggie Miller's playing his game. Reggie Miller, he gets a career high. He drops about like 34 points, right? So he can't wait to get in the car and tell Cheryl Miller, like, hey, I just, like, you know, I just broke a record, a men's record. Like, I, you know, I, I done got 34 points in the game. We won the game. You know what I mean? Like, you know, how about that? And then, so she's quiet in the front seat, and their dad is quiet in the front seat. And then she turned around and says, yeah, I had a good game, too. I scored 104 points today. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh, so yeah, she holds the record for the most points scored um, in a single game. She holds the record for the most points scored in a single season. Um, bruh, she was just dominant. So if you guys get a chance, definitely go look up her highlights on YouTube. And there's also a documentary um about the USC women's basketball game. It's called the Women of Troy. Um, but it's 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 focusing more so on her. But she also had teammates that are legends too. Like it's her. It's the McGee twins. Um, I mean the McGee twins. Um. There's a basketball player named JaVel McGee. He used to play for the Ghost State Warrior. He's the son of one of the twins. Um, you have, brush uh, Cynthia Cooper. Well, like, hopefully they have daughters that get to play, you know, and so. be in the WNBA one day so we could relive uh, what could have been. Well, yeah, not, none of them so far. Like I said, the only, the only ones that have uh, offspring is the McGee, one of the McGee twins, and it's JaVale McGee, but he's a champion. He was on Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry when they won a championship. Oh, he played wow. for the Lakers. He played for a couple of teams, but anyway, yeah, so that's my random fact. The GOAT women's basketball player of all time, Cheryl Miller. But, like I said, 
Asia Wilson, she is just doing her thing. Like she, her style of play, she reminds me of Cheryl Miller and what like Cheryl Miller could have became if she actually went into the league. So, anyway, shout out to my squad, Las Vegas Aces. We're going back to back. Yeah, I was in the WNBA for a few years, oh and gosh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Chill out. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into our let's get deep question of the day. And today's question is, if you had the money, what would you invest in? Me? Yeah, you, you can I, answer the question first. Okay, so... Like um, a, okay, let me, you know let me preface funny? this. Like a, like a passion project. Cause, you know, it's funny. Uh, I said me like it's somebody else up in here. Right. <laughs> but I was thinking, like, maybe you were going to go. So that was what that was about. Mm-hmm. Anyways, what would I invest in if I had the money? A passion project? Yeah. I would invest in creating a school. Okay. That would be, I would make a school kind of like where my best friend Tiana works at. Mm-hmm. Um, she works at a school for students who are in poverty and it's essentially like a boarding school type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's not kids who are like orphans or anything like that, but you know, kids whose parents, um, you know, have difficulty, uh, getting childcare and making and paying and working, you know, and having kids at the same time and, and balancing all that. So anyways, I would create a school like that in, um, California. Okay. That's dope. That's dope. And I am going to, cre- well, I'm going to create one anyways, but if I had the money, I'd create it faster. Uh-huh. Okay. That's good. Um, for me, I mean, I'm always in between two things because, you know, I love like art and graphic design. So I want to create something in that avenue. But really, honestly, I always tell myself, like, man, if I got, like, a giant inheritance of money or if I, like, won the lotto, I would definitely start a WNBA, my own WNBA team. And, like... <laughs> That's <clears throat> ironic that we were just talking about the WNBA. Yeah, like, and, like, but I've been, I've been thinking about this so much that, like, I know exactly where I want my team to be. I want to be the one that, since I'm in graphic design, I want to be the one that creates the logo for the team, the branding for the team, how the Do you have a name look. already? Um, Don't well, say it, because somebody might steal it. Well, actually, I do have a team. I do have a name. Now I got to think of a new one, because I actually was looking it up the other day, and there's a women's team that's its name, but it's not in basketball. But I was going to call the team the San Diego Wave. So I want to. I want them to be in San Diego Ooh. because San Diego doesn't really I'm have. I'm just kidding. A, I'm just kidding. Yeah, the only sports team that San Diego has is the Padres. But there's a women's soccer team um, in San Diego. They're now called the San Diego Wave. Um, so I was thinking, huh, maybe I can call the San Diego Tide or something. Okay. It has something. To, I just wanted something to do something oceany. with water. Yeah, something to do with water. Okay. But yeah, I would definitely. Start my WNBA team, bro. Like I get like the marketing that I'd be doing for it, like because I think, like I said, uh, like my passion for like women's sports, like women's sports is just such a niche market, and like a lot of people don't really focus in on it. But man, like for most of the sports, like it's so good. Like the WNBA right now is just it's really in a great place, and um, you know I think a lot of people when they think about it, they think of like when it first was created, how slow it moved, but now nah, these these women is ballers now. Um, and the game is elevated, so... Okay, yeah, so that's what you would invest in. Definitely be a, pra- a passion project of mine. Okay. All so, right. yeah. Well, let's move on to our forever segment. Um, today's going to be a little different. It's going to be an interesting topic because this one is kind of a trending topic. Um, and normally we talk about like our marriage and stuff in our marriage, but today we're going to be talking about something that's trending and has to do with, with relationships 
and, and dating and stuff like that. Okay, now, I so can this, respect that. Let's so, see. Yeah, so now this is a topic. I'm sh- I'm sure most of you that are listening, you've probably watched the video already and kind of ha- formulated your thoughts and like had some commentary on it. But my wife hasn't watched it yet. So she's going to watch the video. Um, and then, you know, we're going to I'm going to play a couple of excerpts from the video just for those who may not have heard it. You can get the gist of what the video is talking about. But if you do want to watch the full video on your own, there'll be a link right at the bottom of our um, comment section in our descriptions. So you can go ahead and click the link there. But um, today we're going to be talking about the Cheesecake Factory debacle. The Cheesecake Factory <laughs> debacle. What's that about? Uh, I, I think I've heard it about a little bit. Yeah. So for, in short, this was a, a it was a lady. She was on the first date with a guy, and he took her to the Cheesecake Factory, and pretty much she was tripping about him taking to the Cheesecake Factory. So we're gonna go ahead and play a couple of clips. My wife is gonna watch the video, and then we're gonna get her reaction on what's going on in this video. Got me at the Cheesecake Factory, y'all. I ain't getting out this car. Yes. Uh, would you want me to open the door for you? Look at. Look Are you? You're recording me? Yeah. Yeah. This is the Cheesecake Factory. This is the Cheesecake Factory, y'all. What's the problem with that? This is a chain restaurant. Who takes someone that looks like this to a chain restaurant? You want to talk about it? I'm, I'm fine with talking about uh-huh. it, even in front of them. Oh, okay. yeah, I want to talk about it. Yeah. Come on, get up on in the car. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. So you expect a man to go all out on the first date. Is that right? I mean, you're supposed to. Look at, I mean... When you take out a beautiful woman <laughs> and you're courting her, because I, I get courted, so mm. you're courting her, right? You're supposed to take care of her. You're and supposed to cover her. You're supposed to protect her, cherish her, treat her well, right? Yeah. And, That's what and you're supposed I, to do. I agree. Not I, I went into factory. this date as I expect, uh, with the expectations for myself to keep you safe, mm-hmm. you know? to respect you mm-hmm. uh to favor for your food of course pick you up of course mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just treat you like a gentleman which i believe i have done i mean you yeah, and, you've been pretty and nice then, but i mean and then cheesecake factory i on the other hand have certain expectations for a girl i go out with mm-hmm. on the first date i expect her to be respectful too i expect her to be cooperative I mean, I feel like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do as a woman. But I, I got mean, myself all made nothing up. nothing wrong with the Cheesecake Factory, right? Yes, there's a lot wrong with the Cheesecake Factory. Okay, well, look at I mean, look at my plan where we were gonna go originally. See, now that's that's where that's where we should have went. All right, right there. Call See, him. Call him. No. What do you mean no? See, I, I specifically I you told you both yesterday and this morning. I come to pick you up at 4 a.m. At 4 p.m. Right? Mm. And I got to your place at 4 p.m. You didn't even come downstairs for another hour. And so I was waiting downstairs. We literally left your place at the time the reservation was supposed to be. And I specifically said 4 because maybe we could get there early and even have some time to get to know each other on the way there. 
And while we're in the parking lot. I mean, waiting we, for a reservation. We can still get to know each other. Isn't there another restaurant you can call that, like, you know, the no. equivalent to that? I mean, I, I you, literally you don't said. understand. Look at me. I cannot go in the Cheesecake Factory. There's nothing wrong I, with I will die. That's okay. embarrassing. Listen, I, as I said, I have very specific <laughs> certain expectations oh, for no. now. I can tell it's not going to be there. I And maybe we're not right for each other. So, respectfully, I'm oh, going to no, just drop didn't. you off at home. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, I'm up. So, you just want to call it a night? I mean, yeah. isn't there some kind of compromise or something? Okay, so, now, after watching that video for the first time, what are your initial thoughts on that? Bro, she's so delusional. <laughs> and usually, usually I am like pro-woman i could find a way to support the woman no matter what and when i first heard about this video i was thinking you know you don't take no high class woman to no cheesecake factory as a first date you should be able to look at a person and tell but low-key so it was just totally totally her fault because he had other reservations mm -hmm. and you know and he was gonna take her to a high class restaurant but then she took too long and so he was like, well, I guess we got to go to Cheesecake Factory. So low key, that was her fault. Number two, he was he was getting so tongue tied because you can't you can't out talk a woman. You're not going to be able to out argue a woman. But he was getting tongue tied and uncomfortable. But I'm glad he like stood his boundary. He, he basically mm -hmm. stated his boundary and he stood by that. And, you know, she kept making mention to the fact that, you know, she's basically they're basically not there in a relationship and for certain things. And so, you know, he basically was like, okay, let's stand on that then. And so since <laughs> you're not ready, then you ready for the Cheesecake Factory. Right. And so I really can't be <clears throat> mad at him. I was ready to bash on this man. I ain't gonna lie. But that's a king right there, baby. That's a king right there. <laughs> that's a king right there. That's a black king right And then there. she tried to backtrack like, oh, no, I ain't getting no free dinner. Bruh. And that... then she act like she was just America's next top model. <laughs> not that Shut she was... Up. Not that she, not that she was, uh, you know, ugly or nothing. <laughs> that girl had on purple lip lipstick and a green dress. She was out there looking like a Joker. No, no, she wasn't. She wasn't bad <laughs> looking. That outfit. But she was acting like she was literally America's <clears throat> next top model. Like she's and then, tyrus, yeah, and then she recorded it like she was really gonna have a point. No, sis. She, and I haven't <laughs> even watched what the videos have been saying. And I know the internet has been dragging her, or Bruh. is the internet divided? Well, yeah, is it's a very it's very divided. That's why I thought it was. Interesting it shouldn't topic. be divided because Bruh. what the heck? Come on, you, be for real. Just just as delusional as she was. You have other delusional people out there. Like, there's some women out there right now saying, like, man, I'm with her because I definitely ain't worth no Cheesecake Factory. Okay, she's not. She might. If you're going to take, take, yeah, take me out, it better be Mastro's or Flemings or something on a first date. Yeah, I could stand by that. I could stand that you don't want Cheesecake Factory. You got to know the type of woman you're taking out. And women who don't want to go to Cheesecake Factory don't have to go there. However, ma'am, if you was an hour late and you missed a reservation, mm. that is your fault. If you told him, like, oh, we're not that level, you don't get to come up to my house and you did all that, then Cheesecake Factory is what you get. It's not like he said, oh, let me come in your house so we could smash. He was like, dang, I got to wait in the car an hour for 
you when mm. I set these reservations. So right, right. I don't think that you should be forced to go to Cheesecake Factory if that's not your cup of tea. And you have to know who you're dating. Like, you know, like you should know enough before you ask somebody on the date, you should be able to look at them and basically tell what kind of person they are by the way they carry themselves, by the way that they post, whatever, you know? Right. At least, at least ask them, hey, what's your ideal first date? Is blah, blah, blah a good first date? Me, I'm cool with Cheesecake Factory, but I'm also cool with Mastro's. Like, I'm okay. cool either way. You know so what I mean? You, so that's what I was going to ask you. Like, the main, my main question is, like, is it is it wrong? Like, is it bad for if if it's a first date for a guy to, to actually just take you to Cheesecake Factory? Well, they're they low key at the age they were. She looks like she's at least forty something. That's what my guess is. Mm. And so at forty something, like I'd expect a man to not be like Cheesecake Factory. You know what I mean? Mm. Me and you, we got it out the trenches. Okay, like out we've been mud. together since we were seventeen. Like out you know what I mean? Mud. It's different for us. Like, yeah. it just is. It's really just different for us. But, like, for if I was, like, 40-something and out there dating, don't take me to no damn Cheesecake Factory. Like, be for real. Like, you know, I just feel like, you know, like, at this point, we're high class enough. We have enough money to go on a nice first date to get swooned for a nice first date. Now, if we make it like, oh, we're having a coffee date or something or mm-hmm. something like that, that's different. You know, like we're under oh, okay. the impression that we're going to get coffee or, you know, we're just going to go get dessert so we can get to know each other a little bit more. But Cheesecake Factory is like, uh, if you're 40 something, <laughs> then that's a bit much. If you're 16 or 17 or, you know. Or- Cheesecake Factory is 16, 17? Yeah. Heck no. No, Denny's is 16, yeah, I was about to say 17. Denny's. Denny's but, and Coco's okay. is 16, 17. But if you're like 20, <laughs> 21, then Cheesecake Factory. I don't even... Okay, look. I want to I want to play opposition here because I'm not saying... I mean, I'm with you. I, I get everything that you're saying. But let's just say like... Well, I, I think it comes down to a, a couple of factors because it also depends on the type of dating experience that you're looking for like as a woman. I'm speaking from the woman's uh, pr- perspective. You ain't like, no woman. You got to speak from a no, man's no, no, perspective. No, no, no. I'm saying like... I'm saying like how... What it looks like. Like, because if you're a woman and like I said, if you're one of the people that's just like nah like i need to be at mashos and flemings period like i feel like um you know in the data collecting stage like when y'all talking i feel like that should be something you don't have to be overt with that but i feel like you would give that kind you would give that off you know what i mean but then there's some women that just be like um even probably in their 40s or something like that like they're just trying to you know date people or, you know, they're not being judgmental and, you know, they're just trying to just, you know, see what anybody has to offer. And they might be okay with Cheesecake Factory, but then they, they might, it might be a situation where the guy kind of has no sense of like, dang, I ain't never really, I haven't been on a first date in X amount of years and, you know, I'm just getting into it. So she might go on a, she might go on that first date to Cheesecake Factory with him and then, you know, kind of mold him like, look, we need, like, if we going on dinner dates, we need to kind of step it up. Now, how do you feel about that? I just feel like as a younger woman, I would probably have agreed with that. But as that now that I'm like a whole 33 year old, 33 master's degree, homeowner, I just feel like author, it's not your job to mold anybody, especially when you're just Mm, dating. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like and it's not your job to be overt. 
you know, I mean, to be uh, subversive and try and drop subliminals, just be overt with it. Hey, you know, this is my expectation. And can you meet that expectation? Mm. At this age, it's too, you're too old to be playing around like that and be, you know, trying to figure each other out. Oh, let me, uh, you know, can you offer what I need? Can I offer what you need? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's more so how I feel it should be. So I think that she should have made that expectation, but also I feel like he should have been able to pick up on that. And then I think he's too nice for her personality. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, I that, feel like that, that was a good I feel yeah. like her personality was very um very it's assertive. N- no, that's misogynistic. She's not abrasive. There was nothing abrasive that she did. Well, no, she was her, very. She the, was like, very. The, face, the faces she was making, like. Mm, that's uh, but that's that's just male. That's women are supposed to be timid, and we're supposed to not make faces. We're not supposed to have feelings. We're supposed to be kind and and compassionate all the time, and that's not true. That's not. You well, know what I mean? That. We're we're humans with feelings, and mm. so I feel like she was very assertive. She was very. Forward and abrasive and assertive are not the same thing. And that's why a lot of men feel disrespected whenever a woman is straightforward. Like, you know? But anyways, so that's besides the point. That'll be a whole nother topic for another time. Uh-huh. I do feel like she was very assertive and very forward. And I think that he was very, like, kind and nice. And I think that he's not, like, rough around the edges enough. And he's not direct and straightforward enough for what she would need in a relationship. I do think he was very kind, and I think he handled that like a gentleman. Because oh, yeah, he well. a man, the type of man that she would have needed is the type to be like, you know, like, oh, nah, we not going like date over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with that either, though. Yeah. See, why? Why I said abrasive? There was just a part in there where he was like explaining himself, and he was like, well, you know, like. You know, I I asked you to be ready at this time and blah blah blah, and then she was like, "Well, I'm I'm doing everything a woman's supposed to do, or whatnot, because I'm supposed to be courted." I was thinking like, "Girl, what? Okay, all right, all right." Uh, that was that wasn't abrasive. That was delusional. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay, then delusional she, be the word. She was for sure delusional. Okay? <laughs> but yeah, I was like, "You doing everything a woman's supposed to do? All right." And what do is it, a woman supposed to do? That's She's just. Just, well, I think she was talking about like getting made up, yeah, getting, getting, dre- getting ready. She, uh, she's been Girl, listening. She had that damn purple lipstick on. She <laughs> is it two thousand ten? Like what? Honestly, she's been listening to Shara Stevens, and which I think that's her last name, Shara Stevens, oh, the, the sprinkle, sprinkle sprinkle lady. lady. Yeah. And listen, sprinkle sprinkle lady has a lot of gems, but don't let this lady have y'all out there looking crazy. She was a little delusional, and what she should have done is like, you know what? This is how I would have handled the situation if I were her. I would have said, you know what? I apologize I didn't let you up. I apologize that, you know, that, you know, for whatever, I apologize for the miscommunication. Mm -hmm. I really don't like Cheesecake Factory. We could either just call it quits right now, or we could try date number two, and I'm going to be on time, and I'm going to make sure I communicate with you, and blah, 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 blah. That's how I would have handled it. Bingo. I mean, that and that thought is a great rational thought. I'm just like, there's, there's, there's a thin line between, like, I don't like this restaurant, and, like, ugh, you taking me here? I'm just <laughs> up at echelon and blah, blah, blah in my highlighted green dress or whatnot. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, like, like I, like, I could see, like, if she was trying to scope out, like, 
if this dude is like a little broke or something like that. I see if he, she was trying to scope that out for for him to, for her taking uh, for him taking her to Cheesecake Factory. But a he was like, well, look, this was my original plan. Then showed her the plan. I'm like, I'm gonna take you to this restaurant. I'm guessing it was a bomb restaurant. Cause she was like, oh, go ahead and call him. Like, call him, girl. She was just trying to get her a free yeah, dinner. Yeah, like, okay? girl, what is you doing? That's what. That's like, like, see, she now, was trying to get now, her a free was dinner. that delusional or was that abrasive? She was like, call him. I was like, what? Like, who is she? she First me, off, don't touch my car. <laughs> she talking was, about call him. She, <laughs> she, she was very delusional. And, but she knew she had a, I don't want to call him soft because I don't want to buy into the, you But know, he was being a gentleman. I don't want to buy into taking, toxic masculinity. She was taking advantage of him being a gentleman. Yeah, she was uh, taking advantage of him. Because, listen, if I were a man, I would have been like, girl, get out of my car and walk home, too. See, that's, right. not, that's not right, though. That's not oh, right. Man, but he handled it. He handled it the correct way. And I'm glad that he's not. He said, oh, we're not going to work out for each other. But it made him very uncomfortable. And so we'll see what his dating life has to offer. And we'll see, you know, if he ends up married his, his to somebody. Day, his dating life probably about to go up because, you know what, me being a man, there's just a couple things I scoped out. Number one, he was very organized. Most men, I feel like, aren't as organized as that. Like, the man had a plan. He had a set plan of a restaurant that he was originally going to go to. He gave her a certain time, like, okay, just be ready by then because so we can get here. And he said, you know, in the video, in the long form of the video, he was like, well, I plan for us to get here. and We're going to get there, like, maybe 30 minutes a little bit early so we can go to the bar and actually talk before for dinner and like you know get to know each other and then had dinner so i'm like the bruh had a plan that's that's really not even that you know that normal for men to be doing then on top of that like he was being a straight gentleman trying to get out the car open the door for you just being very polite and the fact she locked the door that's in his his car (laughs) she's that is crazy and then the the last part but i'm just like she she didn't even have to do all that Right, and then she like, have to do all like that. I said, you could know, you could know that this man, like, you could know that this guy isn't like one of them cheapskate guys, like, oh, I'm just trying to take you down to Applebee's type dudes, because a, like I said, he was gonna take you to a bum fancy restaurant, and b, he riding around a Model Y, a Model Y Tesla. That's the car they was in. I could see, cause you know I me, mean, I'm a car person, so I could see the back of the roof. I'm like, oh, he, that's a Model Y. It ain't cheap to have one of those. He probably got debt. You know I don't what know. Mean? I, mean, no, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that, but, debt, but I'm rolling. <laughs> I don't know, though. But you know what I mean? But anyway, I just thought that this was just such an interesting dynamic. And like I said, it's a big divide on the internet right now about like, nah, she was right for, you know, that's what she feels her self-worth is. Then you have the other side. It's like, he was being a total gentleman. She was delusional. And this is why people be remaining single and then talking about some, there's no good man out there (laughs) when you got a good man right in front of you and you acting like that. Well, we don't know what we don't want to make a a, a notion a judgment off of one moment well, because here's the he thing. might he might be terrible he might but you know he wasn't terrible in that moment and she was truly truly delusional she absolutely was right. delusional and it could have just been handled differently you mm-hmm. know. It could have been handled differently. She also could have chosen to just go with the flow because she was an hour late. Like, girl, yeah. how you gonna be an hour late, girl? Like, right. but, well. The last thing about this video is, though, at the time of this recording, because I, I, after I first seen this video, I was like, bro, I really want to know more. So I'm just like trying to find the lady, like to see what her social media and stuff was like, and I couldn't find her for some reason. She deleted oh, everything. I don't know, but there was um, there's this guy, there's like this relationship guy. He actually somehow got a hold of her and got a hold of the guy. And um, he said that they were, he's going to release like a interview of both of them, like together. Um, today on YouTube, so that's that's probably gonna be out after this podcast comes out. 
Um, but I'm gonna be curious to to watch that because I really want to see like how more in depth he goes with them, and really to see like if maybe she was just having a bad day or if she just really real deal delusional. Honestly, <laughs> when I first started watching the video, I thought it was a skit. So I'm like, maybe, hopefully, you know, sometimes they would just be making up stuff for the internet, but hopefully it's made up, because that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was. Like I said, but, yeah, we'll see in the second video if it's real life or, the, I don't know what that was, but. <laughs> yeah. Good topic, good topic. All right, so let's do Roots and Bloom. So today's topic is the infamous tantrums. Oh, man. So, baby, uh, how did your mom handle tantrums? Do you remember throwing tantrums? No, we wasn't throwing. Well, I, let me not let me remember really refrain and not say we wasn't throwing tantrums. I wasn't throwing tantrums. Um, I'm the oldest of seven. Um, now, my brother below me, my brother that's two years two years younger than me, that man was throwing tantrums. Was he throwing <laughs> real tantrums, like crying, hitting, <clears throat> slamming stuff? He was throwing so many tantrums that his nickname was Trouble. Like, he was just like, uh, he he was just, <laughs> I don't know, bruh. He used to just be getting in trouble, and then, like, if he didn't get his way, some semi get his way, then, yeah, like, he, you, you, it would be visible, and he'd make, like, physic he'd make it physically known that he was upset. Like, <clears throat> yeah, pretty like much. Like, all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And talking back, and just stuff like that, so, it was, it's not a, it wasn't tantrum in the sense of, like, I'm gonna lay out on the floor in the middle of the store and scream. Okay. It wasn't that, but you know, it was it was nineties kid tantrum, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's so funny. I don't remember throwing a single tantrum ever. The <laughs> not in front of my parents. I my tantrum was more let me go into the bathroom and scream into this towel or scream into mm. a pillow. <sighs> you know how that goes. And so that was more so my my kind of tantrum. But tantrums are supposed to be a good thing in a sense, not, you know, all the way good, but it's supposed to show that your kids feel comfortable enough to release their emotions with you. And uh-huh. so, you know, even as adult, as adults, though, we sometimes feel a little tantrum-y going, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know, I feel tantrum-y as an adult sometimes. Sometimes I just want to scream into a pillow or, or not do what anybody says or, you know, just stay in my room or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So... It's hard navigating our emotions and stuff. But anyways, so how we handle tantrums. How do we handle tantrums in our with our children, baby? Well, we're doing a little bit different than, like, I guess how we were raised. Um, because we're doing, I forget, I always get the term. We're doing, like, reform parenting. <laughs> uh, what's, what's the term you always use? Authoritative? No, 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 not that. It's not gentle parenting, but it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You call it another word. But anyway, I'm going to just say reform parenting for the for the sake of it. But we're doing reform parenting. So with tantrums, we're normally like, we live in a, we li- we have a house that's upstairs, downstairs. So you throw a tantrum, that's a quick trip to going upstairs to your room and yeah. being in your bed. Or, you know, we're taking away a privilege because like the privilege for our kids right now is, is the tablets, their iPads. So you have a big enough tantrum or we notice that your attitude is kind of getting tied to like your iPad use, then we'll just go ahead and take that away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are you thinking of a conscious parenting? 
Oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's Or positive parenting, positive, attachment. Positive parenting. There we go. Okay. Because <laughs> like, I always say gentle parenting. You always correct me on that. Yeah, cause only I only correct you because people are like so, they just hate Scared the term. the word gentle Yeah, parenting. they hate the term. And it's like, you know, it's one of those inflammatory words now. So I just like saying conscious parenting mm-hmm. because it sounds like, you know, we're just being conscious of our decisions. But yeah, so... Um, the way that we usually handle tantrums is, you know, it's, you, it's all about how you word stuff. Cause if you say, oh, you're saying go to your room, then people will be like, oh, you're just punishing them. You know, it's more of like, we have you take a break so you can reflect. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we kind of word it and word it to them. So they don't feel like, oh, we're getting banished. You know, I think you need to go take a break. And I think because, you know, you're escalating everybody and that's not fair to the family and blah, 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 blah. So that's often what we do. Um, we also have them complete worksheets sometimes like on emotional regulation or watch a video on emotional regulation or, you know, we just talk them through it. We'll have them model it the next time we, I have them go in the garage and jump on the trampoline, you know, yeah, to release some stress, to release some energy, you know, whatever I need. And it's really for me to deescalate myself because I find myself getting escalated by tantrums. You? Um, I mean, yeah, I just don't, like I said, since we come from the house of nineties, like I just don't, I just don't rock well with tantrums, especially if you're in an environment where you're kind of getting everything that you need, you know what I mean? True. Because I feel like the tantrums can just borderline like just like you're spoiled, like you're becoming spoiled. Like you getting fun Fridays every Friday we do a thing called Fun Friday where pretty much we're either watching a movie, the kids are on their tablets, and we go and get their favorite fast food that they want. Even though they always ask for pizza on Fridays, so I don't know why they never change it, but yeah. You know, you're getting fun Fridays. You got access to tablets, Disney Plus, Netflix. You got access to all this stuff. You got toys galore in our house. Ninety About 60% of our house is y'all toys. You know what I mean? Like, y'all living good. Y'all got snack. Y'all got a whole pantry with snacks that y'all just walk in there and get. Like, y'all got it good. We doing all this stuff for you, putting you in all these activities. You in jiu-jitsu right now. And then, you know, going places, traveling. My, our kids have traveled. I talk to people about traveling. Our kids have traveled more places, Hawaii, New York, Atlanta, more places than regular adults have traveled. So I feel like when we give our kids all these experiences and things at their fingertips, it's almost like, how dare y'all just be tripping when I say, oh, can you pick up your backpack off the floor? Well, yeah, you know, I kind of agree with that too. And it is one way to look at it, but the uh, more appropriate lens to look at is that all behavior is a form of communication. Every behavior that any kid does. And so although a tantrum can be, you know, a lot of times it is unwarranted, but most of the time it's going to be like because they're 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 basically protesting the lack of control they have and so as a kid yeah you get all these things and you know you you don't have to really worry about a lot Mm -hmm. but you also don't have any kind of control over anything you say or i mean over anything that uh happens to you basically yeah like we tell you when to get up if we say don't go to the bathroom then most of the you know what i mean 
we basically control your every move in a sense. We tell you when to have a snack. We tell you when to eat. We tell you when to go play outside. We tell you when to go to bed. We tell you when to take a bath. We tell you when to turn off the TV, when to have tablet. And so as an adult, we have free reign to do the things that we want to. But kids are having, you know, they have difficulty um well, they're protesting that lack of control they have, and that does kind of suck. Like, if I just told you, you know, when I tell you, hey, can you do this for me, and you don't do it instantly, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Imagine if you had somebody like, no, do it right now. And so I had, like, kind of a moment today with um, Autumn. She had taken her shoes off and just kicked them off and was, like, relaxing on the couch after school. So I was yeah. about to say, um, get up and put those shoes away. Like, you know, I was just about to say that. But I looked at her, she was like, oh, I'm so relaxed right now, Mom. And I was thinking, dang, I could literally cause her, I could have her to get up and pick up her shoes. But dang, she's literally just relaxing for a moment. So I just said, hey, you know, after you're done relaxing and everything, can you get your shoes for me? I don't even know if she ended up getting the shoes, but... It just isn't really a big deal in the grand scheme of things. And so I think oftentimes we do have to truly remember that, you know, kids don't have any control over things. And so sometimes when they're throwing a tantrum, they're protesting that lack of control that they feel. And just imagine how frustrated you would feel right now as an adult with that lack of control, you know, even having everything that you need. And it's kind of, you know, I guess in a sense, it's kind of like God gives us everything we need. But then when he says no to something, then we, you know, we get an Mm. attitude. If he shuts mm-hmm. a door or opens a door that we don't want open, you know, we get an attitude. And so, you know, kids kids are just like us. They're just little people with little feelings. And I think oftentimes we forget that. Yeah. But so I want to um, give a few tips on how to handle tantrums. So the first thing is obviously to stay calm because most of the time it's not about you. It's about their own feelings. And so we have to remember that. Secondly, a safety is a priority. So... If your kid is like, you know, banging on the wall or trying to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else, you need to immediately cease that behavior, even if you have to hold them down. You know what I mean? Like, we're not we're not supporting acting crazy. Like, we're not going to hurt anybody and we're not letting you hurt anybody, all that. So safety is a priority. Um, another thing you could do is in that moment, like, you could think, like, what are they protesting what is this about so what is the reason what is the trigger and you could offer you know some comforting words or a hug you could say hey I know it sucks to have to do this give me a hug and then we'll take a little 30 second break we'll take some deep breaths but we have to do this this is something that we need to do and so it's just really be understanding offer comforting words and a hug figure out the triggers and then if it's you know something that's unwarranted like you tell them they can't have the blue cup and or you gave the blue cup to another kid but they really wanted the blue cup sometimes kids will throw a tantrum over silly things but you you know you have to set the clear limit and and set those expectations hey you're mm-hmm. not always going to get the blue cup so, you know, you can be upset, but crying is not warranted. It is okay to say, I'm upset I didn't get the blue cup, but crying is not warranted. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing you could do for really little kids, what works too, is distracting them. Hey, you didn't get the blue cup. Let's, let's uh, have a popsicle. You know what I mean? Because little kids, like especially Josie's age, they're not, yeah, they can't old. even think clearly and rationally. And so, you know, you want to start... Um, you want to meet kids at the level that they're at. So distracting yeah. her would be appropriate. Um, really choices. Because 
a lot of kids, especially kids that are really strong-willed or oppositional, I would consider your brother, uh, two of your brothers were really Mm -hmm. strong-willed. A couple of my brothers were really strong-willed, too. Strong-willed are are those, we've already talked about it, but those are those kids that, that, you know... Like a whooping ain't gonna do it. For yeah, me. a whooping isn't gonna do it. A lot of the consequences aren't gonna do it. It's really gonna take connection. It's gonna take choices. It's gonna take teaching those emotional regulation strategies. It's gonna take teaching them how to be independent, all that stuff. But anyways, so offering choices, especially to those strong-willed kids, like hey, um, you know, do you want to do your homework in ten minutes or do you want to, you know, do it right now? You st- that gives the impression that you still got to do your homework, but we can do mm-hmm. it in ten minutes or we can do it right now. So it does give them the choice. So it's not an attitude. As soon as you say, "Let's do homework," um, another thing is patience because nothing is going to happen overnight. Yeah, and we don't reward negative behavior. So you know, don't give in to what they want necessarily. So. Sometimes you might be like, it wasn't that serious, <laughs> but you don't want to just give them what they want. What? Uh-huh. Where are you? Oh giggling? no, I'm just laughing at. I'm laughing at. I'm laughing about you. Just thinking about you because you, we, me, and you always have like kind of a inside thing where you be like, you always tell me like, I'm soft, huh? <laughs> oh, I'm absolutely kids, soft. Because the kids would get in trouble, and then I'd be like, you, you got, you ain't playing your tablet, or you ain't doing this for the rest of the day, and then I come swing back around. And then she'd be like, I, well, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm always like, okay, well, listen, it's been this long. So let's give them, you know, a little. I have to do better at that because not that I'm rewarding the bad, the negative behavior, but I feel like sometimes when I'm upset, I go, we both go like, you know, we overdo it on the consequence. And it's, it's sometimes it's not a scorcher. logical. Yeah, and it's not a logical consequence. It's like when you get into like a battle with the kid, you know what I mean? You go mm. back and forth and stuff and the kid is acting up and being defiant or obstinate. And you're like, okay, you don't get your, you're not getting your iPad today. We're going to work on social emotional skills. And then they're like, I don't care. Like not, not, this is a, not that this is a real example. I don't care. Okay. Well, you're going to go to bed early. And then they say, I don't care. And it's like, you know, at what point are you going to stop? Okay. Now you're going to not have your iPad for a month. And so, you know, I feel now like I'm gonna kick you out the house. Right. Like, right. How far are you going to go? Right. And so at some <laughs> point you just have to ignore your kid and say, okay, go ahead and go upstairs. Cause I'm getting escalated or you have to remove yourself. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, don't reward the negative behavior. Just don't do it. Like you have to know if your kid, if you tell your, if your kid is throwing a tantrum over the homework and then they don't end up doing the homework that he kind of rewarded the behavior cause they got to get out of what they didn't want to do. Hmm. Anyways, um, and the most important really is teaching those self-regulation skills and modeling the appropriate response. So one of the things that I love to do particularly is I like to have the kids, hey, so we saw what went wrong. We saw that throwing a tantrum and throwing yourself on the floor did not get you what you want. So how do you think you could we could come to a proper resolution or what do you think? How do you think we should have did this? And then I have them, you know, actually act it out and actually do it. And so, you know, that's one of my favorite things, but I don't, I'm, I'm just about to wrap up basically the tantruming thing, but I want to mention like when to seek some help and, you know, whether it be help from a medical professional, I always advise people to go to a medical professional 
and um, you could go to the schools too for, you know, and seek help at the schools. But I always suggest going to your doctor first. Mm-hmm. And when do you go to your doctor is when the tantrums are really severe. So they are, they're um, long, they're hard, they're like doing too much. Like, you know, like banging your head against the wall repeatedly, that's not normal. You know what I mean? Knocking everything over in the room is not normal. You know, so certain things, and if you start to see like the behavior escalating, that's when you stop it. If you see your kid knock over something and you know like, okay, they're looking at you for a reaction, that's the time to nip it in the bed. Hey, we don't knock over stuff in this house. I'm not going to let you do that, you know, that kind of thing. But anyways, if it's severe and frequent, like it's every day or it's multiple times a day, then that's when you really want to seek some help. And the age, if your child is over eight years old and throwing tantrums more than like once a week, really an eight-year-old shouldn't really be throwing tantrums anymore, but more than once a week, then it's starting to be a problem. When their safety is an issue then um, it's a problem. And when, you know, everything you're doing is ineffective and you're being consistent, then it's a problem. So, yeah. Well, I think one of the most important things that you said about, like, the tantrums is that something I really never really thought about tantrums is that a tantrum is just a form of communication, you know? Like, yeah. I think often we just look at, tan- like, like you a know. disrespect. Yeah, we look at it as disrespect, as blatant disobedience or whatnot. But really, they're just trying to express something that they don't know how to express. Yeah. There's grown adults that still can't, don't even know how to express certain things. So, how can we put the onus on a child to be able to clearly communicate? Yeah, we have to teach them. Yeah. So, that's good stuff. Alrighty. Well, let's move on to our next section. This is going to be our lifestyle section. And we're talking about another topic that is trending all over the place right now. And that is the Jada and Will saga. This is this is this has become a saga now. <laughs> it has and it really has. <laughs> it's this didn't have sequels. We're on a trilogy. Like man, it's it's just been an interesting story and just there like the dynamic of their relationship and their marriage and how this is spilled into like public form and everybody just has their opinion. They have their think pieces on it and they have like the way that this is how it's supposed, this is, this is how they're supposed to be. Um, so I just thought that it was going to be interesting for us to really dive into this because I think for us, um, uh, we, we kind of, I think our perspective that we're going to give in the discussion is going to be a little bit different than what most people are having online. Um, not that we have, like have some like, you know, inside <laughs> and we know them or nothing like that. Right. But I think most of the people, you mean we that, don't know Uncle Will, Auntie Jada. <clears throat> yeah. But most of the people that are like commenting and having something to say, they haven't read either one of their books. Yeah. And so for, for, well, first, before we get into that, I just want to say, bruh, because all this stuff is leading up to Jada's book release, man, I ain't never seen a rollout of a product like this. <laughs> like, like I just, I know for sure this is about to be a New York Times bestseller. Oh, and not like Apple, Apple don't even roll out iPhones the way Jada then went through this week. Like, <laughs> bruh, this, this was, this was like from my marketing standpoint, like for me being a graphic designer and working in a marketing, uh, marketing department, from a marketing standpoint, this, this is, is gold. marketing gold. 
bruh. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Um, but yeah, I think me and you have two different perspectives because um, a last year I actually downloaded Will Smith's book, um, and and read it, which is which I thought it was a you know it was a pretty great book, pretty 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 introspective, and um into his life that he normally doesn't talk about in the public. Um, so I kind of have that point of view, and then um, Jada's book actually came out and, two days ago. Yeah, and and you got it, and yes. so and you've been reading it. Yes, and so like I think this is going to be an interesting discussion. It's going to be a little bit different than what the normal people are having um, online. Yeah. So, I don't know if you want to start off or I want to start off. Do I should I start off because I read his his book came out first and I read his book first or you could should just, you start off? It doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> we all know the Will and Jada love. Yeah. That's what we grew up on. Everybody wanted to be them. And well, it just wasn't what we thought it was, was it? Yeah, I mean reading his book and, and going into their lives, number one, like I think the I think the best thing about his book that I really found out is that like and us in America we already have this infatuation with like celebrity lore and like oh we just kind of like for, for most people not everybody but most people they kind of put like celebrities like on this pedestal of being like untouchable and like perfect and kind of like got it all together because they have to have it all together if they're able to be successful and you know amount amass this amount of like money and fame and all this other stuff right um but i think one of the core things about his book is that you began to really see his humanity that like oh man his upbringing was like kind of crazy you know or kind of wild or whatnot and just like him talking about his human emotions like him feeling like he was kind of less than or like even when you get into pockets of where like right now like we're having a discussion about like Jada and Tupac like even like his his interferences or I mean not interferences but like his um you know interpretations of like Tupac and Jada's life and like how he felt and how he felt inadequate and like he never could live up to him or like he was kind of like in his shadow low key um then he even goes in like to their marriage like where their marriage got rocky um the points where he like okay you know this is how this is what we're gonna work out on and i think one of the things and i'm curious to see what you're gonna say or what she has in her book because Uh one of the things that i found so interesting is that in the marriage portion of his book when he starts talking about like how he wanted to get married to, to Jada, like he said in, in his in his portion that like Jada really didn't believe in like traditional marriage when he first like pretty much popped the question to her like let's get married. She's never she never really like want like wanted a like traditional wedding and she, she never didn't. yeah she never looked at marriage as like oh like you know we're gonna be you know walking down the aisle and then the white picket fence and the kids like. That was not marriage, what she thought for marriage, what marriage was to her or whatnot. And it's interesting because everybody is like, well, you know, Will, Jada didn't dupe Will. And, you know, he just been blindsided. But really, if you read the book, like he knew what it was, but he chose to continue on this life partnership is what really what they make reference to. Yes. What they call it. Both a them. life partnership. <laughs> like, yeah. They kept they can they both continue on to go down in this life partnership. Into this fairy tale land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's I ain't, I mean, I ain't gonna say like I condone that like that's what everybody should be doing, but it's definitely interesting. So it is let, very let, interesting. Let's let's go into what and what you got from her book or what you gleaned from her book. So her book I like she goes through their whole entire marriage. She goes through her 
relationship, friendship with Tupac. She goes through literally everything. Mm-hmm. And so her friendship with Tupac was just, it was just like a, a solid friendship. That's what it was. Tupac did propose to her at one point, at, like, like while he was in jail or something yeah. like that. But she just was like, like we're friends. Like we just have this ultimate friendship. So like the ultimate best friendship, who knows if they would have ended up together or not, but that's basically what she portrays in the book. So that's to kill all the, all the Tupac uh, memes and stuff that I've been seeing. But, um, she really fell for Will because he was charming, he was cheerful, and she thought like he was like too cheerful, like you're too funny, you're like you know like a goofy dude or whatever. And so when she first met him, he still had a wife and things, and so even though like the chemistry was there kind of thing, but she was they was just like you know nah, you know he's married. So as he got divorced from his wife he or is divorcing his wife not got divorced he was divorcing his wife they his first get, wife yes then they were getting together so kind of you know there's some little uh, some little drama right there like because what like bro you was still with your wife loki like you know stop it mm-hmm. and so when he pursued her he basically pursued her with all the bells and whistles like you know, like living her, sending her dozens of roses and going on luxury weekends and all those kind of things. And then at one point during their dating relationship or their, you know, their relationship, he went back to his ex-wife. He did. He left her. He, but she was like, yeah, you know, you got to give it a try because you're, you know, your son and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And so he got back with his ex-wife, but she was like, she, Jada was scared to lose him and um she just was scared to lose him or whatever and so she had they both had a lot of trauma and a lot of childhood trauma all that good stuff and she had like ended up going off on him about uh his ex-wife and all that stuff and basically will shut it down will was like no we ain't bringing that into this i already lived a tumultuous life and she at one point jada literally jumped from the roof to the pool to like you know show him like like, here I am, let's not argue kind of thing. So Jada was like, you know, she kind of lost herself in a relationship. Hmm. And so um, she didn't really want to get married. She didn't, like you said, but she got pregnant. And so her mama was like, you need to get married. And, you know, and so she was just like, okay. But yeah. she truly did not want to get married. <clears throat> now, that, now, I don't know if she put that in the book, but that, this is just, this is kind of deviating. But I just felt this was just such a strange thing like that I found in his book. When they first got married, or, I mean, when they first, when she first got pregnant, she's like, in the book, Will details like, oh, you know, we pretty much, we had a night together. And he said, literally. Oh, she knew she was instantly pregnant? <laughs> yeah. She-, she was like, he was like, literally, like, five minutes after we got done doing what we did, or whatnot, she was like, Will, I'm pregnant. And started and then- crying the whole night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She put that I in I thought her book. that was so strange. She said she felt like a, it was like a key in the lock. That's yeah, she felt it. and he was like, "Girl, you can't tell if you pregnant five minutes after it happened." But bruh, sure enough, he was like she nine was months later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's wild. But yeah, so that's why they got married. And so I'm gonna tell you guys like what went wrong in their marriage. Basically, basically, Will was a workaholic, mm-hmm. and yeah, she she too. was not, and she was not emotionally vulnerable. 
and she wasn't like she didn't communicate her emotions and will because of his background he didn't communicate his emotions necessarily and he always had like a okay we're gonna um we'll talk about this later and then they never would talk about it and so because she wasn't allowed to like show a lot of emotion not allowed but because he like nipped it in the butt like oh you're not gonna be talking to me crazy we're not gonna have that kind of relationship then they argued very intellectually instead of like showing their raw true emotion and not that you have to be toxic but you know a lot of the stuff was like surface you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it was we're having a deep theological logical conversation you know and sometimes you that doesn't work they also had different perspectives about everything and they didn't prioritize their relationship really because mm. you know he was working she was with the kids and working and you know trying to do her own endeavors and stuff and but the biggest problem was she didn't communicate her emotional needs and he didn't like certain things that he should have known he wasn't like really emotionally available for like at one point she uh broke her ankle and it was like all big and purple so she asked him like you think i should go to the hospital he was like no you look fine and then the next day she was like i think i need to go to the hospital he was like oh i can't and so then another person had to take her to the hospital Mm. and her leg was broken so that's kind of like indicative of how their relationship went yeah. And so, you know, he just wasn't really there for her. At one point, a man, like, tried to barge his way into the house, and she had to, like, pull a glass shard to tell the man. And then when she told uh, Will, he just was, like, nonchalant about it. He didn't rush home or nothing. So he didn't, like, he didn't, like, really prioritize. And he, even though she was like, oh, it's okay, you know, I feel like as a husband, my husband would have been here in a heartbeat. It don't matter what I was saying. Girl, I wouldn't even, you wouldn't even hang up the phone. I would have been in the front Ex- of the door. Literally. So that's how my husband would have been. And so um, she also struggled with, like, not being independent because she was so, like, she just wanted him so much. And she had a lot of, like, you know, trauma in her past. So, you know, that was also part of it. But really, it was the the emotional unavailability that really ended their relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, he was more of like, let me give you the gifts. Let me give you the financial stuff. But she really wanted his attention. And that's what he couldn't give her. And he pushed things to the side, gave her a lot of material things, and didn't address the issues. And then, so, let's talk about their open... So, let me get to the meat, basically. So, their yeah, open the marriage... Meat. Did he mention that in his book? <laughs> no. So, this so this is the part that I, that I think I'm going to find most interesting because I'll just... I'll give just quick, like... Pretty much in this the 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 summarization of of their relationship in his book, like towards the end of his book, when he's talking about their marriage, he talks about their marriage being rocky. He talks about their marriage like pretty much hitting like a stalemate where like they were kind of like on the verge of like divorce. He never goes into like oh we separated though, and he pretty much paints a picture of like yeah we had a rough time, but you know now all we're doing is just we're just trying to work together to mend our loving relationship or our life partnership and you know and make this relationship you know better make it grander and i feel like that's a stark contrast from the interview she gave on good day or good uh good morning america when she was like we've been separated since 2016 yeah so 
they did they had she called she's so funny she called it a relationship of transparency so she that's good, what it was she which good is with them words which boy. is basically an open relationship i'm gonna talk about the entanglement she good, too she good with them words. I, got, I got a lot to say so the relationship of transparency so it's, it, she said it's technically not an open relationship but basically it was an open relationship so it was basically they were supposed to talk about you know, if if he had a wondering eye or she had a wondering eye, then they were supposed to talk about it and communicate, you know, what they were going to do about it and if they were going to act on it kind of mm-hmm. thing. So essentially it was an open relationship, but they, you know, they were just supposed to talk about it. She said she'd go back and like make more rules around it and all that stuff. But yeah, and this was her idea. Mm-hmm. The whole transparent relationship, because basically she knew because of who Will was, she just was like, you know, I'm not going to just let some cheating get in the way of us. And she didn't want to feel abandoned because she had abandonment issues, essentially. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So, okay, let's let's fast forward to Red Table Talk, that that infamous episode. So what she she gave some background that when they did that episode he was that he was living his own life for four years so they were not together they lived in separate houses and they was basically doing them for the last four years so the reason why she did the episode was because she was like I don't want to have everybody come to the episode to speak their truth and I don't speak my truth basically mm-hmm. and so she said it was late at night. They had like a cancellation thing. So, he, you know, Will was tired. She was tired. And so they uh, she, they basically started it, started the conversation. But then Will all of a sudden started basically getting like, you know, a bit emotional about it. Like not crying emotional, but like like trying to make it seem like, like he didn't know. But she said like he knew because they, you know, they're life partners. They have transparent relationships. So... And he had been doing him for the past four years. And so she was like taken aback a little bit. But she said she didn't want to oppose him publicly because they're really about their image, as you've seen. Like nobody knew anything was rocky. And so that she didn't want to oppose him publicly. And so, you know, she just basically did it. And she thought of it as basically... She thinks of her marriage now as a path of self-discovery. So with the entanglement, <laughs> so with I'm the sorry. entanglement, this is a judgment for you. Entanglement <laughs> is a basically it's a Buddhist term because she's very like spiritual. They did very they did esoteric. some type of I, they did yeah, they ayahuasca. Did, they did some type of drug together and all types I, of. It was ayahuasca. Is what they yeah, about. I don't know what the heck. I was like, okay, but anyway, so entanglement is a Buddhist term, and it's basically a human interaction that is not in, in a spiritual sense or something like that. And so I don't know whatever that means. So that's why she used that word. Words. And so, you know, basically she just you know she just didn't want to oppose. She didn't want to oppose her dude, and she didn't have to release the thing. But she was like, no, let's just release it. So against everybody's what everybody said they were like release it anyways they were like no you guys need to do it again release the episode yeah Uh the red table talk episode Uh and she was like no 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 we should just release it we should just release it and she said that at the end of the episode when they was like uh ride or die bad marriage for life then they had felt connected again even though that that was so cringy for everybody but they said that that was the moment they felt connected again and so um 
Yeah, but essentially from all that, they basically divorce without divorcing. They refuse to divorce because they're in a life partnership. And so they're divorced without divorcing. And so, you know, they just had been separated. And so then we'll go into the slap. What you got to say before we go into the slap? Just the last part. Oh, well, well, you know, I, I just, it's just, it's just interesting. Like I said, what interests me, like in his book too, is he talks about his ayahuasca experience and it, it just sounds crazy. But <laughs> why I'm very, why I'm interested in like what more she has in her book is because his book, of course, was written before the slap. And I, most of it was written before that Red Table Talk episode because he doesn't even Approach go. That. Yeah, he doesn't even go into that or whatnot. Like I said, the only the only thing he gets into is like loosely like how their marriage was on the rocks. He doesn't really he doesn't overtly say like yeah we started seeing other people. You know what I mean? And talking to other people, but he does like make it known like it was one point in the book where he was saying like they had a talk and he was like you know it don't even matter like. If, uh, you know, if we ain't, if we not together and I bring somebody else in the house, uh, he, I'm a, she going to be right across the other room in the same house that I'm in while I got somebody else here. I was like, what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <clears throat> so, but yeah, go, go ahead and get into the slap. So into the slap. <laughs> so they, she wasn't even going to go with him to the show, but they were supposed to be working on their life partnership, not getting back married, but you know, just making sure that they're, you know, I don't know. It's just weird. Cause how do you even have a life partnership without getting married? But anyways, they were working on their life partnership, but they still were not together. They were not planning to get back together. So at this point during the slap, they were six years separated. Mm-hmm. And so, um, there's also a backstory. So in 2016, Chris Rock was doing the Oscars and he had made a slide about some, you know, some jokes about Jada because they were, you know, boycotting yeah, they were basically boycotting the Oscars. And so it was basically a miscommunication. And then he made some slides at her. And so, but they ended up, you know, like apologizing to each other and, and they were all cool from that. But Will and Chris had a long time beef. And so it was a lot of like intricacies in that. And so they definitely had a beef prior to that like you know it was just up it was just the hidden beef like that they had <clears throat> mm-hmm. and so basically when will slapped uh chris rock it was just a culmination of things right. and will smith was like going through some things in his own life and so he just you know he just ended up going up there and slapping the heck out of him and jada thought it was a skit at first and she was like but then she realized it wasn't when people kept coming up to them and she said at the angle she was sitting on she didn't even know the slap connected she thought like that he ducked out of the way but she said she didn't realize the slap had connected until you know everybody kept coming and asking her and stuff like that and that it was a real deal thing and so you know, Will just had it. He just had enough. He just reached the culmination. And so it wasn't her. And she said the way she looked was basically she felt upset that not that he was making fun of her, but the fact that she has alopecia, which is a disability, essentially. Mm-hmm. But she felt like, like, I'm a face for alopecia. Like, how are the other little girls and the other people that have this disability going to feel? And so she said, that's why she made that face. She was just like, oh my God, like, really? Like, you would do that, you know? Because 
I'm I'm who I am. But them little girls, you know, they're not who they are yet. They're watching this. They're, you know, this is a broadcasted event. Yeah. So she said that's what it was about. <clears throat> and so she said, um, you know, um, at the end of everything, she's not like upset how everything went down. But she said it's just so funny how no matter what a man does, we always find a way to blame a woman. <laughs> and I was like, dang, that is that's, so true. That's what most people were saying. Oh, they it was just Jada fault he got yeah. up there and did that. You know, Jada gave him that look. That's what made him get up there. Yeah, and so it's so. even though Will Smith is his own grown old man grown man with his own feelings and own thoughts we're gonna blame jada for making him do that and yes women do have a lot of control over men but we have to we have to stop buying into that misogynistic culture it's even like you know if the house isn't clean we blame the woman if the kids are acting up we blame the woman if the you know what i mean and so if a man cheats the woman must have not have been good looking enough she must have not have been sexy enough she must have not have been giving him enough she must have not have been cooking yeah and so you know we have to People, when women get raped, it's because you know what they it's what they were wearing. It's because yeah. they were drinking too much. No, it's because a man can't have self control. Crazy, they monsters. And so you Animals. know, this took a turn for me. And so, who would have thought that you know I would I would be siding with J- not siding with Jada, I but do that think you that see her perspective. I do see her perspective. I think their relationship is weird as hell. It's, uh, I do. weird to the umpteenth I, power. Right, it is very weird. Right. But you know, it's not my relationship. So whatever works for you. <laughs> listen, if you like it, I love it. Good luck and God bless. But I do think it's messed up how we as a society just automatically pick on Jada. But you know, that's unfortunate when you know you're in the limelight. Yeah, like, I don't know, bro. Like I said, it's just, it's just kind of like what you said. Like, their relationship is definitely weird. But you know what's <laughs> even weirder? Like, the obsession that us as people, I don't know about other countries, but I just know Americans. Like, our obsession was just celebrity. And, like, a lot of people just, like, you know, it's either two sides of the fence. Like, oh, y'all just more concerned about they marriage in your own life or whatnot. And then you got other people who are just like, well, we're not really concerned, but they're just giving us information. And we're just getting the information that they've given. But, like I said, at the end of the day, man, it's, like I said, I, th- I think their books are very introspective because they do get into like certain parts of their lives and their uh, <clears throat> their upbringings and you begin to see why they are the type of people that they are truly and you know before like when all this stuff was happening even like with the red table talk and all that stuff i always kind of felt like i always felt like jada was just it's like for lack of a better word i always felt like she was just more careless with her approach to things that happen and just was just out there and just putting things out there. Whereas, like, if something was happening, I always kind of saw Will Smith as being more of a, like, he's trying to do his best to, like, kind of protect her still from when things happen. But then, you know, so I kind of I kind of really almost, him protected his image. Yeah, I and I kind of almost, like, some people, they see him, like, kind of as a victim because... You know, some of the stuff that Jada has said are... But like, he ain't no victim. He just being quiet. Yeah, but not, it's, not, it's not even a victim. Like I said, after after I got done reading his book and just, like I said, him going into saying like, well, you know, Jada didn't want to even get married to the point where she was like, I don't even want no wedding ceremony. And, and then what did he do? One. Yeah, about saying what he do then put one on. He had Mary J. Blige come 
and sing and stuff. And she was like, what? Like, bro, I told you. So he just literally did not listen to her her entire marriage. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't listening to her on that. But then also he was listening to her on what she said. Like, this ain't what I want. And he's the one that agreed to it. So that's why I really don't see him as like a victim. Because I'm just like, bro, you you agreeing to all this stuff. This this seven year separation you have your you have a part in that like you you right. and you smashing other people too so and y'all transparent marriage what i think though what i do think is just strange and we're we're about to wrap this up but i i really do think that it's just interesting like jada's choice of words both of them actually because even in his book he used some words and i'm just like bro this is word soup it's almost like they're like trying to be poets and like not really they kind of like beat around a bush and they just throwing out these big words like right. entanglement. entanglement and like, life partnership real. and you know this esoteric feeling of the atmospheric pressure of my spiritual essence like what what are y'all talking about yeah i mean at the end of the day though like you know everybody's still gonna have their debates and you know what they think their opinion is i do think that you i think do think you guys should read their books um, yeah it's really a good book it is strange though and has a lot of spiritual components yeah i at the end of the day like i said especially like going into that oscar ayahuasca stuff that stuff was sounded crazy like oh i took this ayahuasca and i fell back and sleeping i saw myself floating and you know but i'm like bro i don't want to feel like that i ain't trying to get into all that (laughs) at the end of the day though my take on it bro at the end of the day from what i see I'm just, I, I really do hope that their, um, their marriage, I, I hope that it does get, it gets to a point where, you know, it's an actual marriage. But at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to actually save that is if they come is under, Jesus. yeah, I about to say, <laughs> they come under the sound of Jesus. Cause right now what they, what they own, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't got nothing to do with no guy. And the crazy thing is Will Smith, like in the beginning of his book, he has, he has like a grandmother that's in church, was taking him to church. So, you know, he was just kind of around all that stuff. But it's just like, man, they've gotten so far off that trajectory. I don't know what this is. And it's kind of, and the last thing too I want to say, like it's kind of a little dangerous because I- You wrap it up like a pastor. Yeah, because like with their big <laughs> platform, there is a lot of people that listen to them. And just some of their ideals, like this life partnership stuff, is basically like, it's kind of like a perversion of marriage. Like- that's not what marriage is. That's not the marriage that God created us for us to have. You know, what y'all talking about? Oh, well, you know, we'll never leave each other. We'll just be with each other. Like, bro, that's weird. You know, and that's just, it's, it's a little crazy. But anyway, again, at the end of the day, the only thing that's really going to save their marriage and save their life partnership to bring it back to where it needs to be is if they fall under some Jesus. Because right now, it's just strange. And learn all about Will Smith and his from his book. And even the stuff that you said about Jada, I can understand why their kids are the way their kids are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't say that. Our kids ain't grown yet. <laughs> no, nah, well, we ain't doing no life partnership and taking ayahuasca. I'm, listen, I'll listen, knock on wood because uh-uh, <sighs> our kids ain't grown yet. I don't want to speak nothing over them. I'll tell you that much. But anyway, um, this has been our podcast episode for this week. Um, as always, um, if you like this episode or if there's a topic that you want to hear us talk about in future episodes, um, go ahead and, and hit us up in the comment section. Um, let us know. Um, also, rate us. Give us, give us you know, five stars. This is a five-star episode. Um, and also, check the description area for our song of the day. Our song of the day is going to be um, The Two of Us by Will Smith. And then our film of the week is going to be a low down, dirty shame that has Jada Pinkett Smith in there. 
<laughs> Set it off by Jerry Peter Smith. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, as always, man, we just thank you guys for tuning in with us um, and kicking it with us. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Um, until next time, God bless. Thank you.